Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Thank you, everyone. How are you doing? Thanks for logging in to the Stroke of Diva Fabulous Show. I am your host, Kamaria T. Richmond, and I am excited about my guest tonight. And I'm going to give you some history on this guest. Her name is Ananda Kiamshan Madeline, I'm trying to get that out there. And I met Ananda in the fall of 18... 79, no, 1887. 1987. Thank you. You know how my mind works. And we have a mutual friend, and I wanted to pledge a sorority, Sigma Gamma Rho Sorority Incorporated, and uh, this friend suggested that I contact Ananda, which I did, and I had already heard stories about her when it came to pledging. So thank goodness she was in law school and I didn't have to worry about that. All I got was her guidance. <laughs> and, and that was it. So I'm very appreciative of the law school for that. And uh, so I, I pledged. And Ananda has been my oldest, best friend uh, since then. So she is also the one that makes the Stroke Diva show poss- possible. I had the stroke, as most of you know, in 2004. And I've learned how to reinvent myself since then. And Ananda made it her journey to get me hooked up into social media to share my story about the stroke and how I've moved on. And um, just to kind of engage myself in the community because I'm not out reaching people. So I can do that now online. So Ananda, has um, she made me her first digital sisterhood blogger in residence because social media is still a learning process for me. (laughs) But Ananda, she uh, spent one year training me on how to do this show myself. And so I just love her for that and so many other things. But she's really helped me kind of move forward with getting myself out there into the mix online, which I appreciate. So thank you, Ananda, for being on the show. Well, thank you for having me, Kamaria. Everybody, I call her KT, so if I say KT, just know we go way back, almost 30 years. In two years, it will be 30 years, believe it or not. And I just realized that today. I was like, oh, my goodness. I've known, (laughs) yes, 30. I've known this fabulous woman, everyone, for 30 years almost close to 30 years, and she gets even more fabulous as the years go by. So it's an honor to be here, and thank you for your kind words. You know how I feel, love you, and let's get your show on the road, girl. <laughs> We're going to do it. So, everyone, Ananda is the CEO of Digital Communications Con- Consultant, and now we're going to just go through the list 
Now, Ananda is also an artist, an author, a creativity coach, a Reiki practitioner, yoga teacher, social media, I'm going to say network maven, and she also, we're going to talk about her artist in residence program, but, um, and you're really strong into your community, but I want to start with how do we go from Ananda, the lawyer, to Ananda Digital Sisterhood and all its fabulousness? <laughs> and I did not get these questions in advance, everybody, so I'm sitting here going, wow, okay. So without taking up five days uh, or five years, I will say this. You know that um, law school was something that I wanted to do. I'm happy that I did it. I never had the real intention of practicing law. I wanted to use it in business, and I was able to do that in investment banking and in the district government and finance. And life has a way, as you know, of twisting and turning and getting us to where I think Creator wants us to be. And so I had a series of um, employment challenges where um, there were let me say there were significant breaks, like I'd say a year or 18 months, a couple of times in my early career where I had a chance to really explore who I was as a creative person and also to heal some parts of myself through yoga and then pursuing my own art. And it was through that process, by the time I got to the 90s, um, the mid-90s, that I was deep into my art and deep into um, yoga and when I turned 40, I made a commitment, this was about 10 years ago, to really pursue who I wanted to be. Um, and that meant that I needed to suck it up and take the time to finish the book I was writing and to sign up for Reiki teacher training as well as yoga teacher training um, and take my art seriously. And so I've been doing that. It's been a Work in process and progress, step by step. It's not every single day. But, yeah, the law school was a dream from being 16 to about, you know, 30, 33. Uh, and then life changed for me, like it does for most people. But it's still a part of my my um, my thought process, and I use it in my business, and I use it with clients in different ways. So it's it hasn't gone to waste. Yeah, and that has been, I mean, you've always been someone that's always new and always discovering and learning new things, and you share that with people. So let's just kind of get started with, I'm trying to think, where do I want to get started? It was hard to think about that uh, when I was thinking about you, (laughs) because I want to focus more on your creativity as being an artist and a yoga teacher and Reiki practitioner, where did all that come from? Okay. Well, I will say this. Um, my mother is a creative person. She's a musician and a early childhood teacher. So when she was going to school in the early 70s, she used her children, there's four of us, as, I don't want to say guinea pigs, but we were her experiments. And so we always were told to use our imagination, and she always encouraged us 
to be creative. And all all four of us are very creative. But it was my oldest brother, Michael, who is a prolific comic book graphic artist um, who used to draw things for us and make stuff for us and had all these great plans to make an igloo and sketched it all out and all this crazy stuff. Um, it was the 70s, what can I say? And so being around that energy um, and having that encouragement, I discovered that I like to write and write poetry and make cards. So in my, I call it when I was a tween, between 11 and 12, I was making my own cards and writing poetry. Um, and then when I got to junior high, I continued to write poetry and I started developing crushes on boys and then turned 16 and then it was a sad I lost my boyfriend, poetry, um, went through that. Um, And all through college, I wrote. And by the time I got to law school, I stopped. And it wasn't until um, I had finished law school, was looking for a job, and you and I um, were, were getting to know each other, and we were around each other a lot. You I started writing poetry, and you encouraged me along with another sorority sister, Carla Ray Thompson, um, to write. And I would call you all at lunchtime and read you my poetry. And eventually you both said, look, you need to publish this. And you all supported me and encouraged me and turned me on to different poetry readings. I remember we went to um, see Araka and her book, this is Araka Rosarundu, who's been on the show with Ascension Productions. Big shout out to Araka. Um, because seeing her do her one woman show, I think it was up at Howard. Uh, this was a wall this was a while ago, man. Um yeah. that gave me yeah, that gave me a lot of inspiration. So you having you in my life and having you um be connected to so many creative people, um helped me see that that was possible and that I could I could do that in my life and honor it and and have value and give back. Um so that was that was how I started writing and then the art came along as a result of being frustrated in a in a government job and not really having any outlets and I started working with wire um coat hangers and just kind of stumbled on it. Um, and I won't even say kind of stumbled on it. I'll say that this is where the creator wanted me to go. I started sculpting um, women's images, silhouettes, with a coat hanger. And I was using it as my therapy. And I had it, I was carrying it around like in a little tote bag. And I went to see one of my mentors. This was in 1995. I went to see her um this is Barbara Armline with the Lawyers Committee for Civil Rights Under Law, and I had worked with Barbara when I was in law school. And I went to see her about um, this conference, the Black Women in Law Conference that her organization was sponsoring. So while I was there, she asked me, what's that thing that's in your bag? And I was so embarrassed because I was like, oh, my God, somebody, <laughs> somebody of her stature is going to think I'm crazy. And I took it out, and I told her what I was doing, and she ordered 200 copies for the um, the luncheon and had me write a poem to go with it. And that really changed my life. Um, it changed my entire life. So from 1995 until now, I've been working with wire sculpture. And then I started painting and drawing. 
as a result of working as an artist in residence for Smith Center for Healing in the Arts. It's a nonprofit organization in D.C. located on U Street, and we've been around since 1996, and I've been there since 2003. And I worked at Howard University Hospital for a couple of years, and while I was there, I met a um, a man living with cancer, and he was also a an MFA student, Master of Fine Arts student, but he was a master artist who had worked at the Corcoran, and Every week that I worked with him for almost two, I think two and a half or three years when he was there, he treated our sessions like they were art classes. And I felt like I was in art school because he was telling me what to do. So he's the person who got me to paint. I first started just sketching with color, um, you know, with crayons and colored markers and colored pencils. And then once he saw some of my sketches, he was like, why don't you start with watercolor? From watercolor, it was um, acrylic, and then I found my love with acrylic um, paint. And my brother got me into painting with gouache, um, too. So I I really got into painting in 2005, and I spent from 2005 to 2007 um, creating a body of work. And it ended up, um, a couple pieces ended up being on the cover of my uh, first book, Loves Chupadors, and then the second book, um, That Which Awakens Me, there's a piece that's on the cover of that. So I've been really blessed um, to have have these people and these experiences in my life. Yeah, I hope that answered it. I probably went on. (laughs) It it did, because, um, you know, after all these years, you reminded me of a couple of things. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You've always been busy, and you've always been so creative. And I have to let everyone know that I have, um, from Ananda, I have her sculptures and I have her paintings, and thank you for those. And so I guess that will lead me into, because you had this whole learning experience, is is this why you wanted to become a coach? Yes, um, because I had people come to me after I was doing this. How do you do this? How do you do this? How do you do this? And after a while, you know, you get a number of people. And I was like, you know what? I, my own life coach, Yael Fussberg, told me, she was like, you are, you are providing coaching services. You know you can charge for this. And so, you know, that's all I need to know is, right. <laughs> is that. Okay. But, you know, it's not just making money, but she was, she said, you have a gift, and you're really working with people, including her. Like, I was helping her do some things with just creating a blog and kind of figuring out what she wanted to do creatively online. Um, but yeah, so I started doing creativity coaching and have um, have dabbled in it and did did some um, some coaching with a few people. But this year, I'm I'm going to break out and do... Uh, some more. I'm working on some proposals now. So you'll see some more things in 2015. Um, I'm trying to formalize it more. So this time. Yeah, so what is the what is the basics of what you're, you're teaching or how you're getting people to become more creative or just to live their best lives as a coach? Mm-hmm. How do you do that? Well, I start um, really by just asking people um, how do they feel and what do they want to um, 
express creatively. Sometimes people want to just have more creative experiences, meaning just appreciating art, music. Um, sometimes people want to do something with their home. I'm not a home decor person, but it's just it's this, the the practice of being creative or creating a business or creating work or as an artist or um, writing a book. It's just helping people navigate that creative process. And that may sound vague, but for example, um, one of my clients last year really wanted to rekindle her passion for theater. And she had done theater as a, as a, as a high school student and sits on a board for a theater um, company, but she hadn't done anything with theater in years. So we we came up with some activities that she could do, but we started with this thing called six-word memoirs, which are just six words um, to express either how you feel in the present moment. Like I start all my sessions with a six-word memoir for how a person feels because that can really tell you what their temperature is emotionally, what they may be stuck on, what they may be mad about. Um, and then I go through each word and I ask, what does this word mean? And then that opens up a discussion. Um, at the end of the session, I also ask, how do you feel? Give me a six-word memoir. Um, depending on what they're seeking to do, I ask them to create a six-word memoir based on that. So, yeah, so those are icebreakers that I start with. Um, but really, the, for me as a creativity coach, what I want to do is to um, spark that light or that fire of creativity that lives in each and every one of us and to help people nurture it, express it, honor it, and value it. And that can come out in so many ways. Like, for example, look at you. I just see how you have blossomed in the last 10 years. Um, and especially with the radio show, this is year five that oh. you're going into. Yeah, 2011 was the first, 12, 13, 14, 15. This is the fifth, fifth year of Good. you doing this radio show. And every year it gets better. I mean, Thank it's you. just amazing. Yeah, but you tapped into your creativity because you were always a radio and communication um, natural, and you just happened to major in that in college, but you just it, you've just been able to just take it to a whole nother level. And I know the show's not about you, but it's it's a it's an example of how you have you know when you were the blogger resident, I was doing a little creativity co or a lot of creativity coaching with you um, right. to get you to tap into the things that you love and. Um, and to, and to value it and to express it and share it and look at you now. I mean, there's just, I know there's even more that I don't know, so. I'm like five but, years. I'm like, oh, my goodness, it's been five years. Mm-hmm. This is going into your fifth year, man. Oh, wow. And like I um I mentioned to everyone, you, you got me on this journey. So everything mm-hmm. you do just kind of flows together. So you're a coach. Now, when you're coaching, now you do Reiki and you do yoga, and you're big into uh, technology, but we'll talk about that later. Mm-hmm. But that does your coaching lead you into? Well, actually, you were doing yoga and Reiki before. Well, right. It depends on it depends on what the 
client wants. Um, some people get um, yoga and coaching with me. Um, some people get Reiki. And they get a, I think no matter what you get from me, you get a little bit of all of that. You definitely get yoga and coaching from me no matter what. <laughs> I can't give you a, a creativity session without getting you to breathe and getting you to uh, give you some, some suggestions on doing some yoga to kind of just chill out. But you definitely do breathing exercises with me and coaching. Um, for Reiki, you definitely get the Reiki and the yoga, and you get a little bit of coaching. Because you're dealing with people's spirits and their emotions. Um, and then with yoga, you get some coaching. Um, you definitely get Reiki because I'm giving um, some hands-on adjustments um, for people and just also helping people relax. Um, so you get a little bit of, of all of it. But there are packages that people can pay for to get the full Monty. <laughs> and not just and not just the doses of it, like, ooh, just a little spark there, a little sprinkle there. And you for know. people that don't know about Reiki, tell us mm-hmm. about So Reiki is a Japanese healing um, practice. It's, every spiritual tradition has a hands-on, laying on of hands, and it allows the person um, who is giving Reiki to support someone that may have um, some anxiety, they may have some um, sadness, they may just need some clarity, they may just need to release stress, or they could be dealing with a a lifelong or terminal illness. I've done it with cancer patients. And it, uh, it also helps move the energy through your body. We have seven different energy centers in our bodies. And without going into great detail about the chakras, but energy should be flowing up and down our bodies easily. However, there are things that we do, whether we're moving through the world or feelings that we might have, experiences that we and that we um, we have, and, and encounters that we we have with folks that can throw us off and leave us unbalanced. Right. And Reiki helps to balance you. Um, and I have to say that Ananda has done Reiki on me, and I've just fallen, fallen asleep. Because... Mm-hmm. It can do that to you. It can really, because it really does relax uh, right. you. And I've right. had people go to sleep, and I let them sleep. I wake them up after a while, but you know, sometimes that's what you need. Right, and that is, and I think it's the same thing with meditation. Even though you're falling asleep. The energy is still there. It's still moving mm-hmm. up from from your head to your toes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which, yeah, and I think that's just a process of healing. And mm-hmm. now we're going to talk about your books last, but you are um, heavy into technology. You are the tech diva. So why don't you mm-hmm. talk about how you started and why you started, like your Digital Sisterhood Network, okay. Sisterhood Month, and so just walk us through that process. Okay. Well, I've been online since 1986, believe it or not, and that started when I was in law school, and there was a, a um, online research service called LexisNexis, and before that, prior to that, I was afraid of 
computers, and I did not think I needed them, even though I had a college roommate when I was a senior at Morgan State University tell me, you're going to need computers, and I just laughed. And within the first few days of law school, she was right. I had to learn how to use the computer and also to use this online service. So a good sister friend and classmate um, took me into the computer lab, and I was nervous, and I think I was about to cry because I was like, oh, my gosh. Um, I felt like I was being pledged. <laughs> and I turned, I clicked on, and she had me um, enter my name, and then when it was booting up, and I saw all of the resources that were available as far as newspapers and information. I just came alive because I'm an information junkie, and I love newspapers. Um, and I really loved them back then. So that really shifted and changed my life, and I became a LexisNexis junkie. Fast forward to 1996, uh, I started working for a woman-owned investment banking firm, and um, prior to that, I had email, um, but that was at home. I didn't have to do email at work, um, but I jumped into this job as a as a transaction manager, and that's how they lived. They lived online. They lived on email 24 hours a day. You had to be available for all kinds of things, especially for the transaction. And so I really got my feet wet and had to jump right in and learn how to use not just that, but the other programs um, and understanding, like, how to navigate the Internet. I knew some things, but that job really required me to do a lot more than what I had been accustomed to. And after six months, I was like, in deep love and worked for that firm for a year and a half, and they ended up closing, so I went out on my own as a consultant, and I was helping companies um, and entrepreneurs um, find their domain names and register them and help them with intellectual property kind of statements on their websites. This is before we had all the quick services that we have now. Um, and I, I was doing my own business, and my um, my client base was not as strong as I needed it to be. I went through my savings, and I needed to get a job about a year and a half later. So I started working for a nonprofit to help just give myself a foundation financially and with health insurance. And um, was still using the web and started creating my own website um, with the support of a web team. And that was to highlight my art. And that was in 2000. And this year I celebrate 15 years of um, having Anandalik Media. It used to be Kiyamsha.com, um, but it's Anandalik Media now. And how did I get into this digital sisterhood network? So I had this, this book that I was writing, a novel. And I started in 2001. There's a long story that goes with it. We're not going to talk about it tonight. Um, I got to the place that it was in a in a in a package form that could be sent out to agents. Sent it out. Got a lot of feedback that required me to rewrite it, and I got stuck and frustrated and depressed as a result. And I stopped writing it. So in February of 2005, my book editor Wayne. Yeah told me that I would be blogging, not that I <laughs> didn't give me an option. He said, you will be blogging um, right. because I don't trust you, you know, to write. So I started blogging. And 
um, a couple months later, I started to notice that there were other people other than Wayne and family members that were reading my blog. And I started to figure out, well, how did they do this? So I started going to their blogs and started reading other blogs. And um, it was a small community of people that I got connected to. And then the next year, I joined MySpace. And MySpace was really big then. I'm still missing MySpace. But um, as a result, I met all of these other folks that really helped with the book. I met musicians. I met a lot of folks from London because I had some um, characters that had some background in London that I thought were going to play a major role but ended up not. But I made all these connections. So I started blogging. And when the book came out in 2007, I needed a way to market it without spending a lot of money. So I turned to the blog. I turned to um, MySpace and YouTube at the time. And I realized at the end of that year that I didn't know what I was doing. So I needed to go to these conferences. So I love conferences. So I went to my first blogging conference in 2008 with Blogging While Brown. And there I learned about Twitter. And by then I was a part of Facebook. And MySpace had kind of died down. And I was still connecting with people. And that opened the door for me to go to some other conferences that were focused on women including uh, one was called Feminism 2.0, which was here in D.C. in the beginning of 2009. And that's where I learned about um, some of the other conferences that I go to regularly now. And I started noticing as I was going to these conferences how generous women were um, and sharing and just making sure that you knew um, how to connect, what was available. And... um, I I just started doing these interviews and things and um, was approached by a publisher to um, write a book about women in social media. Got real excited, got a proposal together, and it fell through. Had my heart broken, but my mentors told me to go ahead and write the book and publish it. So that's how Digital Sisterhood came about. It started as a book um, idea, and I was using Digital Sisterhood radio, both the blog, Um, to collect research. And over time, because it was several years, it shifted into a memoir and how women impacted me in social media. And so um, in that whole process of writing the book, Digital Sisterhood Month was born um, to celebrate women in social media and tech. That started in 2010. And then I formalized the Digital Sisterhood Network in 2010 when I I realized, because people started asking me, well, what's next? Um, that this was something bigger than myself. And I still couldn't figure out what it was, but I said, oh, it's a network. Uh, It's an informal network. And then from there, it grew. um, And people started inviting me to come speak about it, uh, like Spelman College. Still no book, mind you. Um, (laughs) uh, But still writing it. No full book, but still writing it. I was speaking at a couple different places and had no book until October of, 2013 when I released it, but it's been um, it's been one of those journeys where surrendering and just kind of letting it be what it's going to be, right? And allowing it to happen. So it wasn't something I planned. Planned what it is today, and it's morphing into some other stuff too. Like this past month has been really incredible for ideas, and you'll see more later this month and in March. But it's been it's been it's truly been a journey and it's been great to have you on it. 
Oh, thank you. And so now, now we, I want to talk about your books because you led us right into them. So tell us, we have your love troubadours. We have your. We want to talk about your poetry. That's one of the first things that you did. And so I'm going to let you just talk about those at length. So tell us what it meant with each book. Okay. Uh, how it, what does it feel like to do self-publishing, but what is mm-hmm. the outcome, the end game? Okay, wow. Go ahead, Casey. <laughs> <laughs> Since we only have an hour, I'm trying to get it in, girl. I see, and you are getting it in. I'm like, work it out. I need to take lessons from you. You're like, and what is the end game? Okay. You might have to tell me those questions again, but I'm going to start with, um, what are the three books? So the first book I mentioned was Love's Troubadours. The full title is Love's Troubadours, Karma Book One. It's a great book to read during the month of February for a couple of reasons. It is a book that celebrates the way that African Americans live and love each other and all of the experiences, both the ups, the downs, and the in-betweens that we go through. And it talks about a character who is a 30-something woman It takes place in 1999, 2000, and 2001, and she is a um, bohemian black American princess. She uh, is originally from Oakland, California, that is, and she has family roots in New Orleans. If you watched A Different World and you knew Whitley and her mother, Diane Carroll, her mama is like um, Diane Carroll on the show, (laughs) Whitley's mother, Marion. Um, and she has a twin sister. And when you when you meet her in the book, she's dealing with the death of her father, who was really, she was a daddy's girl. And they were very close. But like many deaths in many families, there are family secrets that come out as a result of that. And there were a lot of secrets that came out. In the process of all of this, she's having some major challenges in her life. She is a museum curator in New York. She's had a big job. She's lived it. She was living the the life in New York City and doing her own thing, but she lost her job and didn't have a plan B and ended up moving to D.C. as a result of um, she didn't want to go back home to Oakland and live with her mother, but her aunt and uncle had had a condo for her to live in. And she lives on U Street, kind of like me, but not like me. And she comes here, and she she has to piece together her life, and she's not able to find a job as a museum curator. So she's a yoga teacher because she used to teach yoga when she was in college. Um, and she did that for fun but never for money. She's an art consultant for clients that she does not like. And she's a part-time curator up at Howard University's Gallery of Art. So she's having to um, deal with her own her own issues, and and she's not only dealing with debt, she's dealing with denial about some of the choices that she's made in her life, both in her relationships and her friendships with others. And so you really get to see her navigate these experiences with the practice of yoga, with um, the practice of um, Buddhism, um, forgiveness, You get to see her travels back to Oakland and San Francisco, to Chicago. She's in New York. And you definitely get to see her live and move and groove in D.C. So it is um, one of those books that if you love neo-soul music, 
um, from that period of time. You'll get to see that if you want to know about just how women, in particular um, African-American women, live and move and groove as, as boho women, bohemian women, you can check it out. And the title of the book comes from a quote that Lorraine Hansberry, an African-American writer, um, mentioned in a speech she gave to students in Harlem in 1964. And there was a question from the audience, and they asked her, tell us who loves. And she says, ask the troubadours who have come from those who have loved, and those troubadours are black folks. I'm paraphrasing it. And so when I read that um, in Bell Hooks's um, one of her books, I can't, it was Salvation, yeah. I just, that stayed with me. That quote, you know how you read something that just stays with you? Right. It stayed with me. So um, that's Love's Troubadours and just kind of moving it, wrapping it up kind of quickly. That Which Awakens Me um, is my creative memoir, and the full title is That Which Awakens Me, A Creative Woman's Poetic Memoir of Self-Discovery. You can tell I like a lot of words. Yeah. That's, um, that's a collection of poetry, reflections, essays, um, thoughts about my creative journey as a as a woman. And you get to know um, my family background. You get to know me as a, as a little girl. You get to you just get to see my my process of my spirituality, my creativity, um, my passion for living in D.C. and for President Obama and First Lady Michelle Obama, <laughs> and it walks you through um, my life from 1964 to 2009. Um, wow. Yeah, and so the last book, which was published in 2013, Digital Sisterhood, a memoir of fierce living online. You can tell I like memoirs now. Um, that talks about my life online and how women have played a major role in influencing me and connecting me and inspiring me, including my mom, who is the reason why I really um, dove into the web because she had a service at home, a research service. She was in grad school when I was in law school and she was finishing up. And it was a, I had access to LexisNexis at her house. Right. So I just, she always, my mother's always been someone who, if it's, if it's the latest and the greatest in technology, she got it. <laughs> She's going to have it. She's going to have it. I mean, she's the one who made me join AOL. I mean, I remember that in the 90s. Like, she was like, you're joining. You're going to get an AOL account. Everybody's getting one. Um, <laughs> so she's the reason I joined Facebook in 2008. My mom was on Facebook, and my mom's 75 now. So imagine someone telling you she's in her late 60s saying, get on Facebook because you're missing a demographic. She's on it because she's a former teacher and she's in the sorority, and that's how she keeps in touch with people. Wow. So. Now, I did not know that mom got you into Facebook. Yeah, because I was, like, on MySpace still, and she was like, my who? She said, everybody's on Facebook now. They don't care about MySpace. You're going to join. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> something, mm-hmm. something new after almost 30-some years. That's mm-hmm. yep. amazing. And you just mentioned... President Obama and the First Lady, Michelle Obama. Mm-hmm. Now, you have had some dealings with the White House and the um, U.S. Department of Defense, I believe. 
No, state. U.S. Department state. of State. Okay, state. Mm-hmm. And so now I want you to go through those. I mean, those are like honors and awards and just amazing what you can do when you are serious, when you actually live. You're living creativity and you're blogging. And so that's led a lot into to what you've done. So tell us mm-hmm. about each of those because I'm excited to learn ex- exactly about each of those. Well, let me first say to everybody that um, especially if you live in the D.C., um, Maryland, Virginia area or you're close like Baltimore or Philadelphia or even New York, the White House always has these socials and the way that you um, – there are events for people who – follow them on social media and and engage with them. If you go to whitehouse.gov backslash social, you can find out um, if there are any events. I don't think there are any coming up, but you can also subscribe to their blog, and they always post um, in their blog when they have these different events. And the events go from, um, they start in January with the State of the Union, so Mr. Obama has... Um, one more State of the Union in 2016, so we've got two full years left. Um, and they, they include the State of the Union address where you come to the White House and you're in the executive office building and you're with other social media leaders and influencers and you're tweeting and taking photos and engaging with your audience and the broader audience in social media land about the State of the Union. And afterwards, they have a panel discussion with um, White House staff and, and officials. You don't get to meet the president then because he's still on Capitol Hill, but you do have a chance to interact with staff and you're there. Um, and I've done that twice, and I'll get back into like how I did it. But I, my my goal right now is to tell as many people about it. Um, it's free to do. If you do do it, you have to pay for your travel to and from D.C. That's why I say if you live in the D.C., Maryland, Virginia area, you should look and see if you can apply for it, but you should follow them on Twitter. You should have a Twitter account. Um, it looks like they want you to have an Instagram account and um, and a, a Tumblr account or Facebook. Um, I have all of the accounts, so, I'm, you know, I'm a junkie. But if you have Twitter and Instagram, um, that's, a, that's a great start. And if you're on Facebook, that works, too, because they're on Facebook, too. So... How I got started, last year was a really um, powerful year for me because I had a bucket list, and I've had a bucket list since he he announced that he was running and he won. And I lived 15 minutes from the White House, so my goal was to meet both of them by the time they left. So that was eight years, and I was able to achieve my goal last year. Um, I had an opportunity to go um, to the State of the Union last year. I applied. Um, I wrote something pretty, it's usually, like last year you had to write a 140 character, which is like a tweet about why you wanted to go. Um, I had a chance to go to the State of the Union, and then a week later I had a chance to go to the French arrival ceremony, and I was a French major, so I wrote um, something witty about that. We stood on the on the White House lawn, it was freezing, and we got to see... Um, the president, the first lady, the president of France, Francois Hollande, and that was a beautiful experience, even though it was butt cold. And then afterwards, we went inside and we had a chance to go to the executive office building and meet with White House staff. 
um, to ask questions about what was happening and what was the French president going to do. So we were social media correspondents, treated just like press in some some respects, but then treated treated like citizens, like digital citizens, which we all are when you're using the web. And then um, in March, the Department of State had a International Women of Courage Award ceremony, and they wanted social media leaders to come too. So I submitted for that. I'm a big women's rights um, advocate, and I have Digital Sisterhood Network, so I was selected. And while we were there, we were asked, there were seven of us, we were asked to um, come out to the lobby, and they told us, you're getting ready to meet the First Lady. And so she talked to each one of us for like 60 seconds, and we took a picture with her, but it was amazing, and she is, she is dynamic. Just like she, she talks, she is. When she's on the news or she's out and they see her, you see her. She's authentic, real, dynamic. She's phenomenal. Um, and then I had a little break, <laughs> and then in June, the White House uh, put out a call for another um, social, and it was a Tumblr um, social. So my blog on Tumblr is called Ananda at 16th and You, a Lifestyleista in Love with D.C., and it's dedicated to um, the president, the first lady, the White House, and everything that I love about D.C. So um, I was was invited to come for that, and I sat in the front row. I was um, very close to Mr. Obama, and I had a chance to say hi to him and shake his hand as he he left. And that was about college affordability um, and his plan for um, what we now have is his plan for the community college, but he was talking about the loans and how to help people in college afford it because uh, it's much different than when we were in college. So I, I did the social media correspondence duties there as well. Um, and then came back in January. Um, applied to go see it again. And then this year what was so great was that I had done a lot of outreach to um, to Digital Sisters, and there were four Digital Sisters of the Year that were able to um, to attend as well. So that was great. And there were other Digital Sisters of the Year that were there that um, came as a result of some other invitations. So it was really nice to be able to see what happens when you – have an experience, and then you share and advocate for others to participate. And I think that's a part of um, what I'm what I'm seeking to do now is to express and to show and encourage people to, I call it digital citizenship, to use their digital citizenship in ways that um, promote and improve their lives and the lives of others. And you're a digital citizen of the year. We started Digital Citizenship Month in July of 2014, and Kamaria was named as one of the Digital Citizens of the Year for all the great work that you do with your fantastic show, your uh, social media accounts, and just your your spirit and, and getting people's stories out. Well, I mean, of course, you know, you're you're a big part of that. And so when you started posting, like, the White House, I was so excited for you. And I was like, okay, now we're going to have to talk about that in, like, detail when, when mm-hmm. I then I see Ananda, and uh, I want to say when it comes to digital citizenship, your father as a senior, uh, John is everywhere. He's a digital senior, uh, 
what's his title now? Digital. He's uh, a cyber. His official title. So everybody, my father is Dr. John Leak, and he can be followed on Twitter at Dr. J Leak, and it's D R J L E E K E. He's on Facebook as John Leak. His blog is Dr. John Leak. Tumblr.com. He is a senior cyber social activist. He writes about race, diversity, uh, and politics. He's um, on Instagram as Dr. J. Leak. Uh, he's everywhere. Um, so, yeah, so my dad has been blogging since January 20th. He's been on social media since January 20th, 2009, when President Obama was inaugurated and has had his blog for a couple of years and been actively um, involved online and offline in in social media and politics, diversity, and race. He's a former, well, he's still a diversity uh, and, and organizational management consultant and race is in his blood. And um, I'm sure when he listens to this, he's going to, just die laughing. <laughs> <laughs> John is John is so cool, everyone. And I have had John on the show, I, Dr. Dr. Leak on the show. And also I volunteer on the award-winning Ed Brown show. And Mr. Brown talks it's all about news, information, and communication, and you're, which you're like number one of those things. So I had Ananda on on the show, and you can listen to that interview on my YouTube page, and it's just Kamaria Richmond, and listen to that interview, and two with your father. On exactly, the yeah. It's, so, it's amazing to see, like, all the things that you're doing, um, YouTube, I mean, just the way that you have taken what you learn through being a digital sister, her <laughs> blogger in residence, and then and then coming offline and working um, for the Ed Brown Show, volunteering there for Bowie TV, and then helping helping the show develop a stronger um, base of of interviews. I think a wider range of interviews um, with people from all over the DC metro area. Um, and a wide range of topics, too. It is really rich, and it's, you can see your hand print all over it. And the fact that it's on YouTube, too, now, I mean, that's you. That's all you. Um, and on Instagram, you know, I see you. <laughs> <laughs> I am trying. Still learning, I must say. Mm-hmm. Still learning, but uh, definitely trying trying to do to do what I do. Mm-hmm. And just get the information out there and, you know, spread it. That's what, You know that's what I love, sharing information mm-hmm. and having people connected. So doing uh, the Stroke Diva Fabulous show and working on Ed Brown International allows me to do all of that. Mm. And so posting other people or promoting other people I think is very important because mm-hmm. some know someone, someone is connected to someone, and, you know, those people just meet, and then you have new collaborations. So it can go either way, online or offline, as long as you're connected to folks. And I want people mm-hmm. to people to be connected. 
kind of mm. life over. That's why um, on Mr. Brown's show, there's so many different people because uh, they're, most are folks that I have on the radio show. And then, you know, go ahead and turn them over to Mr. Brown, to the, to the Ed Brown show. And he's just an amazing, amazing man. And so I always, I also have a Facebook page for Ed Brown, and I have a Twitter page for Ed Brown. Yeah, I know. That's what I was waiting for you to announce. I knew you had everything else. You have the full set. And so I am, you know, he's such a wonderful man, and he's given so much to the community and to so many different people because he's into mm-hmm. Communication and working with young people and working with seniors, which is why he and John had such a great conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, yeah, in politics, he is deeply rooted into politics, and so he is just amazing. So I encourage everyone to go on Kamaria Richmond YouTube and listen to some of those. And I have tried to keep it down for under an hour. Mhm. You doing I, it? I think I did. You got a, yeah, you got it. You got anything else? Cause you got like I'm looking at my watch, going, you got five minutes. You didn't rock it. <laughs> That's I was looking at. Okay, I have a few more minutes. I got to get it in before eight. Mm-hmm. But the other, just quickly, um, because you're doing something too with ARRP, and mm-hmm. if all of those different um, affiliates that you have. Can you just tell us about those briefly? Okay, sure. So um, I work as a blogger ambassador and a content developer for AARP. And AARP has a caregiving uh, initiative, and there's a group of of content developers and bloggers like myself. And so we write about um, caregiving issues. We tweet about it. We, We post throughout the year, um, sharing the content and getting our communities involved um, and participating in Twitter chats. Um, over the years, when they have been at um, conferences, like at the Blogger Conference in 2013, I um, was, was at their booth and engaged with other bloggers and told them about the different programs that they've had. I've gone to some events in BC and, and um, participated as a participant um, but also just to share, you know, with other people. And now as a 50-year-old and about wow. to join AARP, I know, um, wow. I'm hoping that I can expand my involvement, you know, because now it really does matter. <laughs> <laughs> I also work um, with a, a PR firm called Everywhere, based in Atlanta, and Everywhere represents Macy's. And so um, we have an event coming up on February the 12th at the Metro Center Macy's where they're celebrating Black History Month and I'm serving as a social media correspondent. And one of the one of my favorite, favorite fashion stylist icons, designer, a shoe designer is June Ambrose. She'll be there. Um, she'll be talking with um, another personality that I love, Ty Beauchamp. And they'll be celebrating the soul of black history. So that will be on February the 12th. You can follow me this week on Instagram and my blogs at Ananda Leek, um, A-N-A-N-D-A-L-E-E-K-E, to learn more about the event. So 
but I also work for everywhere. So we, we do things um, with Macy's and also the Heart of Haiti campaign. Um, so that's some of my other other stuff. <laughs> it's a lot. They can just go to www.anondelete.com to find out more. <laughs> it's so much, especially on the Heart of Katie, Haiti. I was like, uh, that's just a, a tidbit of of what that is for folks. To know. Yes, the Heart of Haiti campaign was launched right after the earthquake in Haiti in 2010. It's a um, it's a it's a partnership between Macy's, Fairwinds Trading, and the Clinton Bush Fund, where they um, provide trade, not aid, and they help artisans in Haiti to um, to promote and distribute their work in Macy's stores. And so the artisans are in Haiti, and they're creating. Um, home decor, jewelry, um, paper mache art, um, and they're turning it into um, products that can be sold in Macy's. So you can go to macy's.com um, slash Heart of Haiti. And I'm a Heart of Haiti ambassador. I had a chance to travel to Haiti in 2011 as the first Heart of Haiti ambassador, and it's one of my passion projects. So I, I love the Heart of Haiti. Yeah. And I think that's an amazing, one of the amazing things that you you do. And so everyone, we're we're, we're we've packed it all in. There's a <laughs> lot more about Ananda Kiyamsha Madeline Leak. And to find out, we're going to go where? W dot a n a n d a l e e k e dot com. Ananda Leak on all the social media channels. See you online, everybody. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. So thank you, Ananda, for being on the show. I have been trying to do, you know, to hook it up because you do so much for the community and for other people, including including myself. So I want to have you on to share your knowledge and your wisdom about what it means to be a digital sister and how to help other folks do the same. So thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Again, share this with people that you know. TalkShoe is archived, and so just go ahead and share that. After about 15, 30 minutes, you can go back on and listen and tell all your friends and folks that you know all about it. So, Ananda, thank you so much. And if you hold on. Thank you. Thank you so much. Sure. That'll be great. And so, all right, everyone, have a great week. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.